0: Mike Stoops is out as OU's defensive coordinator. Saturday's embarrassing display of defense at the Cotton Bowl was the final straw that broke the Campbells' back. When Stoops returned to Oklahoma in 2012, hopes were high that he'd return the Sooners' defense to the same kind of dominant force it was in the early 2000s. Count me in as somebody who was really excited for the change. Brent Venables' time was up. Let's bring back the guy who was... Really responsible for those super awesome Oklahoma defenses from 2000 to 2003. Boy, was I wrong. And the majority of the Sooners fan base was wrong. And more importantly, boy, was Bob Stoops wrong. Maybe Mike Stoops needed Brent Venables. The numbers certainly suggest that was the case. I went back 23 years. 1996 that's when Mike Stoops was a young co-defensive coordinator at Kansas State under Bill Snyder the other co-defensive coordinator was a man by the name of Bob Cope in a sad turn of events Cope was diagnosed with cancer in September of 96 he died less than a year later I mentioned that sombering news because in 1997 that left Mike Stoops solo as a defensive coordinator for the first time and man his Kansas State defense was really really good the Wildcats allowed just four yards per play and gave up just 14.5 points per game, which was ranked sixth in the nation. K-State went 11-1 that year and beat Donovan McNabb and Syracuse in the Fiesta Bowl. Then in the spring of 1998, a season later, Brent Venables, who had been on the K-State staff since he was a GA in 93, was promoted to co-defensive coordinator along with Mike. The 98 Wildcat defense was also very good, 4.2 yards per play allowed, just 13.3 points per game, and K-State forced 33 turnovers, which averaged out to more than two and a half takeaways per game. K-State began the year 11-0, then lost the Big 12 title game, and then lost to Drew Brees and Purdue in the Alamo Bowl. Despite the disappointing ending, Stoops and Venables left Manhattan for Norman the following season to join Mike's brother, Bob, at Oklahoma. For the next five years, the Sooners' defense was downright dominant, particularly from 2000 to 2003. You know we love the yards per play metric here on West of Everest, so listen to these numbers from 2000 to 2003. 4.1 yards per play allowed. 3.8, 4.4, 4.1. In all four of those seasons, the Sooners finished in the top seven in the nation in points allowed. Plus, Oklahoma took the ball away. At least 33 turnovers forced in all four years. Just a dominant run. And the two dudes behind it all were Mike Stoops and Brent Venables. In 2004, Mike took the head coaching job at Arizona, while Venables stayed at Oklahoma. Venables didn't get the D.C. job solo, though. Bo Pelini was his co-defensive coordinator for that 2004 season. Back to Mike, though, for a moment. He went to the desert and brought his brother Mark along the way to run the defense. From 04 to 09, Mike and Mark ran the show for the Wildcats defense, which was a defense that can be best described mostly as meh for those six seasons. You want yards per play numbers? Here they are, beginning in 2004, 5.3, 5.8, 5.4, 4.9, 4.8, so some improvement there in 07 and 08, and then 5.2 in 2009. In the five years Stoops and Venables ran the Oklahoma defense, the Sooners never allowed more than 4.9 yards per play. In those previous seasons I just mentioned, it was all more than 4.9 yards per play, with the exception of one year. In 2010 and 2011, Mike made Tim Kish in charge of the defense after Mark Stoops went to Florida State. Along with co-defensive coordinator Greg Brown in 2010, the Arizona D wasn't that bad. 5.1 yards per play allowed and just 22 points allowed per game. Not many turnovers, though, just 18 all year. But 2011 was a disaster. Tim Kish went into the season as the solo defensive coordinator, and after the first six games, Mike Stoops was fired. Arizona was 1-5. Kish took over as the interim head coach and went 3-3 three and three the rest of the way. The Wildcats' defense, though, was atrocious that year. 6.7 yards per play allowed. That was good enough for 117th in the nation. Plus, Arizona, by the way, allowed 35 points a game, and what should not be shocking at all, did not take the ball away. Just 16 turnovers forced all season long. Meanwhile, Brent Venables was running the Sooners defense solo from 05 to 2011. How about yards per play beginning in 2005? 4.2, 4.5, 4.8, 5.2, 4.1, 4.9, 4.9. OU gave up more than five yards per play just once in the seven seasons where Venables was the lone D.C. in Norman. In four of those seven seasons, Oklahoma had 30 or more takeaways, and in all but one season, Oklahoma finished in the top 40 nationally in points allowed. Since 2012, Venables has been at Clemson by himself, and Stoops had been at Oklahoma by himself. There's really no point in using numbers to prove that Venables' defenses have been quite a bit better than Stoops's for the past seven years. Just use your eyes. Simply put, the evidence suggests the main reason Oklahoma's defense was so good from 99 to 2003 was because Brent Venables was on the staff, not necessarily Mike Stoops. Venables has proven time and time again that he can field really good to elite defenses when he's the only person calling the plays. Mike Stoops has only proven that one year for sure, and maybe two others. 97 with Kansas State, and 2013 and 2015 at Oklahoma. I'll ask Grant if he agrees with those two seasons at Oklahoma a little bit later. The interesting thing about the comparison is that both guys had their chances to coordinate Oklahoma's defense solo. Venables from 05 to 2011, seven years, and now Stoops from 2012, to the middle of 2018, so six and a half years. Same school, very different results. Mike Stoops seems like a good dude. Certainly countless people have come out and praised him over the last 48 hours, and that's great. But just because you're a good dude doesn't mean you should keep your job if you're not performing. And after the Texas game, he said that they didn't coach well. He was disappointed in his inability to get the team to play well. It just seemed like he knew this was finally it I have no clue what to expect from the Sooners defense moving forward but I can say with complete confidence that the tired old cliche there's nowhere to go but up has never been more appropriate I'm Lee Benson this is West of Everest
1: here it again throws low picked off going down low was Parnell Motley First takeaway for Oklahoma, and they are set up.
0: Parnell Motley welcomes us into the show today. That interception was from Oklahoma's big win over Ohio State last September. All of you, I'm sure, remember. For my money, that was the last great Oklahoma defensive performance coordinated by Mike Stoops. Following that night, we all thought Oklahoma's defense was going to be very good in 2017, and then, oh man, how wrong were we? But hey, I did want to throw Mike Stoops a bit of a bone. Thank you for your preparation before that huge matchup. That was an awesome night for Sooner Nation. Let's bring in Grant. Hey, Grant. It's our first emergency podcast since we've been doing West of Everest.
2: Well, you know, Lee, its uh, I think it's certainly a situation that calls for it. This is probably the – I mean, certainly this is obviously the first time that a coach has lost his job midseason – since Bob Stoops has been at Oklahoma, I think that's kind of how we separate the eras of OU football. This is certainly the first time this has happened in this era of OU football, so it's newsworthy. Um, also newsworthy, for the reason that there's no longer any Stoops uh, that is coaching in this football program, which is kind of weird as somebody who grew up on Bob Stoops and Mike Stoops' Oklahoma football. It's very odd.
0: Yeah, that is, that is certainly odd. I suppose at least there is a Stoops still on the roster. Drake's still on the team, so Stoops will live on, and Bob is still employed by the University of Oklahoma as, a, I think he's an assistant to the athletic director or whatever his title technically is, but it certainly is strange. First thing, we recorded our most recent podcast, obviously Sunday morning. We didn't know this was going to happen, and you and I didn't anticipate this was going to happen because there was no precedent for it. Uh, mid-season firings just haven't happened at Oklahoma, and it did happen. Uh, how surprised were you that that this actually happened? Well, I mean, I was quoted on
2: our the podcast that we recorded yesterday, Lee. I said I did not think that it would happen in the middle of the season. i just I just felt like that it would that there were just too many opportunities for things to just completely unravel if they were to make a move in the midseason, but they obviously thought that the chances of of things unraveling with Mike Stoops on staff, that was a greater probability of happening. And so, you heard Lincoln Riley in his in his media availability today, they just needed a new voice in the program and you know that's something that a lot of people have been saying for for multiple seasons now and obviously that Texas game on Saturday was just the final straw for Lincoln Riley. He said it numerous times over the course of his presser. Kind of makes me wonder if he's if he's hiding the truth a little bit that it was his uh that it was his idea and his idea solely or his decision solely to make this uh uh, to make Mike Stoops no longer the defensive coordinator. It's interesting for sure that this is what it finally took, especially after the performance in Pasadena uh, you know, over eight months ago actually cost them a shot at a national championship. Um, I don't know, Lee. It begs the question why they felt like it was going to improve this season. I, I don't really understand the logic there, but I suppose that's an argument for another day because – as of right now, the only thing we can really talk about is is what Oklahoma's defense is going to look going forward.
0: Well, I actually have some sound bites from Lincoln Riley's media availability, which, uh, as we record this podcast, it ended about 10 minutes ago. So, I mean, this is fresh off the press. Fresh off the press? That, that's not a thing. Uh, this is fresh sound. Let me start over there. Of Lincoln Riley, and he actually addressed why now, why, why this decision I'll play that soundbite for you in a moment. But first, let's just start from the beginning with Riley. First, I got to say, he called this the hardest day he's had as a coach at Oklahoma for sure. It was a very difficult decision, Riley said. But Riley also said that his job is to make the best decisions for the program. Riley added, Oklahoma needed a new voice and a spark. And he believes that this team still has a chance to make a run. Here's Lincoln Riley on the difficult decision. And also the fact that the elephant in the room, Mike Stoops, is also the brother of Bob Stoops, the guy who gave Lincoln Riley a shot and basically stepped down in order to give Lincoln Riley the head coaching job at Oklahoma.
1: Tough. You know, tough. It's it's real. And it's, you know, as much as you want to take the human element out of it, we're, we're all humans. You know, so it was the fact that he's, you know, that it's Bob's brother that did that make it, you know, harder Probably in some ways. But more than that, just simply taking Bob out of it, just just my relationship with Mike and Mike's relationship with me, the run we've had here together. It's defensive and offensive coordinators can either be at each other's throats, um, you know, because you're you're against each other the whole year, and then you know, uh, trying to work together during the season, and it's it's it can either be really bad or really good. And with he and I. He, he was so good to me when I came in here, especially when we stunk on offense the first half of that first year. And and I'll I'll never forget that. We've had a great relationship. He's a great friend. And it was one of the toughest things I've ever had to do.
0: So, Graham, I'm not sure how well you could hear that. Could you hear that okay? Yeah, I heard it all. Okay, because I sent you the audio in case you got to listen to it later. But uh, the main thing that stands out to me, and I guess we can all kind of – we can't really relate to it because a lot of us probably haven't been put in this position, but the fact that he had to fire one of his close friends, that's okay. I mean, it's an emotional thing. And and he mentions that you want to take the emotion out of it. You'd like to, the you want to take the human element out of it and just make it a business decision type, type thing, which, um, you know, I'm certainly of the mind that I, I'm, I'm more of a person like that than somebody that will get wrapped up in emotions. But at the same time though, it is, Hearing him say that he basically had to fire a friend, okay. I mean, that would be difficult to have to fire a friend. Is that part something that uh, Riley said that kind of made your your heartstrings tug a bit?
2: Sure. I don't know. I mean, you could also tell when he was answering the question that he was very uncomfortable answering the question. He looked he looked like he was he was maybe going to actually break up a few times, um, just because obviously that's not fun um and, and and i'm sure there's all there's there's deeper things to go there i'm sure he feels a lot of personal loyalty to bob stoops and whatnot and, and i i think he he's he kind of touched on it um later on in the press conference i think he said something on the lines of it's, it's not just it's bob's brother it's you know it's it's the relationship that i've had with him as a friend as well so and, and of course that stuff is i think that stuff is always lost in situations like this um Offensive and defensive coordinators and head coaches, they lose their jobs all of the time. And I'm sure a lot of the time, the people doing the firing are probably close friends of those people. So this is something that happens often. Um, and I think I think people should obviously acknowledge it because this is not a fun moment. Really, for anyone, I know this is something that the fan base has been clamoring for for about two and a half seasons now, it almost seems like. Or at least two full seasons, uh, to be fair. But still, it's never it's never a fun thing when when a human being loses their job and whatnot, Um, especially someone like Mike Stoops, who is so instrumental in in building Oklahoma football back up to what it was in the in the first part of this decade. Or I'm sorry, the first part of this century. Um, It's it's just a weird day altogether. I think this is something new for OU fans just because I don't think we've seen we haven't seen instability like this. Since you know this era of OU football, and so I think there's a there's a lot of unknown there. Um, There's a lot of um, a lot of bittersweet emotions, a lot of sentiment or a a lot of sentimental feelings as well, because it's Mike Stoops leaving. Um, And I think there's also a lot of excitement because, really, Lee, we've seen we've seen some pretty awful defense in this program for the last two and a half seasons, at least. And I think I'm. I'm slightly, you know, excited to see where they're going to go from here, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Going on, Lee, I did. Um, I-, I wanted to commend you one more time on your opening take. I like some of those stats that you pulled out. Um, that's interesting stuff for sure. And just to add a little more context, I'm going to go to my S and P numbers just because I love them. And I and I'm just I'm just going to give you the straight defensive ranking. Uh, for Oklahoma, Brent Venables coached defenses by himself and Mike Stoops coached defenses by himself. And so here we go, Lee. Uh, Brent Venables took over the job in 2006 by himself after Bo Polini left. Uh, fo- er, I'm sorry, in, he did in 2005, didn't he? So I'm missing a year Oh, yeah, five. Yeah, I forgot. P- Pelini was 2004, wasn't he? Um, Correct. So I'm sorry, I'm missing 2005 here, but they also had a really good defense that season. So starting in 2006, here are the S&P Plus uh, defense numbers under Brent Venables. 2006, Lee, they were 7th in the country. 2007, they were 28th. 2008, they were 15th. 2009, they were 4th. 2010, they were 7th. 2011, they were 10th. So Brent Venables' last three defenses at OU were all top 10 S&P defenses. Lee, here is Mike Stoops starting in 2012. 30th, 19th, 33rd, 22nd and then when you get to 2016 it takes a nosedive 55th 101st last year and 69th this year uh, so really what that says is for the first four years of Mike Stoops uh, second regime here Lee the soon as we're playing probably you know where they need to be right now if they want to uh, you know pair a, a decent defense with that offense uh, but where they are right now is uh, it's they're playing very bad defense right now, and I think the statistics uh, the statistics bear that out. And they were playing elite they were playing very good to elite defense under Brent Venables, even when uh, he was sort of ran out of town. And I know that's that's a little unfair because the original plan was for him to be co DCs again with Mike. But uh, you're lying to yourself if that wasn't if that wasn't a slap in the face to Brent Venables at the time.
0: All right, so I'm glad you had those numbers as well. So I'll go back to part of my opening take when I talked about the years where Mike Stoops has been a solo DC by himself. I mentioned there was one, maybe two others of, of seasons where he had a, a, a pretty good defense to maybe elite defense. Would So would you say that maybe it's more than that? Maybe those first four years of his second tenure are actually should be considered a pretty good defense? Yeah,
2: I, I thought they played pretty good defense in those four years, but they... they and I think a lot of that had to do with they just had some good players on that defense. You go look at that 2012 defense. I can point towards Corey Nelson and Aaron Colvin, guys who were really good players that they had. 2013, uh, that's guys like Charles Tapper, Eric Stryker first coming on, um, Zach Sanchez as well. Um, Aaron Colvin, I think, was on that team as well, too. 2014, they had Jordan Phillips and Geno Grissom and Eric Stryker and Zach Sanchez, Devontae Bond. 2015, they had all those guys again with three or four years of,
0: of starting experience. Um, you know, Where so, was Tony uh, Jefferson in all this, too? He was in there, wasn't
2: he? Yeah, Tony Jefferson's last season would have been 2012. So Tony Jefferson was okay. 2010 through 2012. So the uh, In order, Tony Jefferson's defenses, 7th, 10th, and 30th. Um, so okay. yeah, uh, so Brent Venables' best defense at OU uh, is is the defense that I expected it to be, which was that 2009 defense. That was that defense uh, I think rivals any of of OU's
0: great defenses from early in the decade as well. So uh, a big narrative that's going around, and it's it's totally fair. I'm not saying that's not. And you touched on it a moment ago, is that you know it's just, it's kind of a strange day because Mike Stoops was part of Oklahoma's resurrection in the early years and getting back to national prominence and becoming national title contenders year in and year out at the same time though when you get all these numbers and you have all this evidence and all these years have gone by is it fair to conclude now that actually it was more Brent Venables and it was Mike Stoops for why the Oklahoma defense was so good in those early days or is that just not fair
2: um, I don't want to look at a bunch of stats and, and draw a conclusion like that because I'm not I mean we weren't in the rooms we don't know who was instrumental in coming up with those game plans we don't know who is calling the defense at those times I'm sure we could find out or you could by being a reporter and asking questions <laughs> um, but you know I, I don't know I, I don't know if it's completely fair but I, I, I it's certainly interesting that you bring
0: those up um, it's probably not you know what it it's it's not completely fair. I'll answer it. I'll answer the question. I'll cut you. I know I cut you off. It's it's not fair because you know what? Maybe those two guys just worked really well together and got a lot of great stuff out of it. And then I think when you separate the two and you look at the resumes separate, I think it's fair to compare those and say that clearly, Brent Venables has had a lot more success, so he's probably a better defensive coordinator by himself. But now that I I think more about it, I don't think it's fair to say that Venables was more of the reason. I think together, it, it's for what we know. I think together they were clearly very very good, along with Bob too. Yeah,
2: for sure. And so I, I think that's that's really all that I think that's all we can glean from that. I think Mike Stoops and Brent Venables were very good together. And you know what I, we let the last three seasons I I think kind of cloud our memory of of what. Was a pretty solid first four years back in Norman here with with Mike Stoops. They were they were not bad on defense, and in fact they they were straight up good to very good on defense in, in twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen. Um, the the defensely in twenty thirteen com- carried the team. The defense was better than the offense, so this is something that we don't hear a lot anymore in these parts. So um, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due in those scenarios. But man, I I told you about those numbers for starting in the 2016 season to now and they're just they're unacceptable for Oklahoma especially especially last season finishing 101st um, in defensive efficiency is just is completely (laughs) unacceptable especially when you have when you have you know by advanced statistics the best offense in the history of college football that's the that's the one thing that can derail them from winning a national title and and they did it, and that's, like, I, I think in in the eyes of of any sort of impartial observer or any sort of passionate Oklahoma fan as well, that's unforgivable in that span. I, I just I don't know if I will ever be able to forgive that. Not not on a personal level, but just from a... I, I will never be able to forget that season and, and what was just on a pure the table. football level. Yes. It's
0: a pure football thing. And it's just... It's another popular thing that's gone around the past couple days is since the Texas game, and it's fair is that the poor defense of the last couple of years has kind of it's not kind of it has wasted Baker Mayfield's time at Oklahoma. Sure you won a Heisman Trophy. They made a couple of playoffs. It's fine, but when the standard's so high and you want national titles, to me his time was ultimately wasted. And then you have Kyle Murray playing such a good brand of football right now through the first six games and it seems like right now I mean again I even with this change it's still difficult to see Oklahoma making the playoff it would seem that another horrible defense is going to waste the one season likely that Kyler Murray is going to be playing at Oklahoma and I think that's a fair assessment to have even though it's kind of a uh I know I've been using the the term Joe Schmoke kind of a bit the last couple of weeks but kind of those the average sports fan I mean it's kind of an average sports fan take but I think it's fair and true
2: yeah Lee and I think um the performance by the defense on saturday is is really and rightfully so overshadowing an offense, lead that is again just a breathtakingly spectacular offense. Um, oh. it's it, it's very very underrated what Oklahoma did to Texas's offense on Saturday or Texas's defense on yeah. Saturday. Texas's defense is spectacular and Oklahoma treated them like rag dolls the entire game. Um, if if Oklahoma can do that to Texas on on an inconsistent performance think what they can do to to anybody um (laughs) and and that's what i i I think it's just it's disappointing it's certainly disappointing that they that they produce that type of defensive performance um to pair with this offensively is just um i don't know i i want to see what they have in the tank for for ruffin mcneil and bob diaco because this offense deserves a, a, at least an average defense to pair with it. That's that's what this team deserves, and I and I think that's why Lincoln Riley ultimately made the decision. I think he he finally realized we just can't do this anymore. We are completely wasting our opportunities. Um, and you heard him say that in the media availability, Tully. I don't know if you have any uh, clips of that, but he 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 made a uh, he made a point of continuing to say, "I think this team can go on a run. I think this team can go on a run." So I have to think. A part of his calculus was, hey, man, this is a team that can still get to the college football playoff. I got to make a change now while we still can. Because I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, if we can just get an extra two or three stops a game, we're going to put ourselves in pretty good opportunity to get to the playoffs. At least, you know, hoping that, that the rest of the season take, you know, takes care of itself with the rest sure, of the country. Sure, but, of but right now, if you're Oklahoma, all you're worrying about is how on earth can I win these last six, hopefully seven games that we're going to get.
0: All right. You mentioned Ruffin McNeil and Bob Diaco, Ruffin McNeil, the interim D.C. Bob Diaco going to take more of a hands on role. I think he's going to be up in the booth now taking the role of Ruffin McNeil, from what I understand. We have Lincoln Riley talking about uh, how this just needed to be uh, a change. Maybe Mike Stoops' voice is being lost and just needing a spark. And I'm not sure if he if he mentions the make we got to make a run here in the soundbite, but we'll play it. And uh, maybe he does. But this is Lincoln Riley on Mike Stoops' voice, kind of just being lost, being asked about that, and also talking about how Oklahoma just needs a spark on defense.
1: I don't know. It's lost. It just sometimes you just need a spark. I mean, in this game, it's kind of like I said earlier. It's so hard to make it all work. I mean, so. So many things people have to come together and one little thing here and there can throw it off. I mean, it's the margin between being good and great is so thin. The margin between winning and losing is is remarkably thin. And so I don't think his voice was lost. I just felt like we needed a, a new spark and a new voice. So I, you know, again... You've won three straight Big Twelves. You've been in the national semifinals two out of the last three years. We're seventeen and three together, and all three of the losses have been narrow, one-score games. So I mean, it's it's not lost, and it wasn't, and it wasn't awful. It was just for me right now. I thought it was the best decision.
0: So that's uh, Lincoln rally talking about how uh, maybe being asked if Mike Stoops' voice had just been lost and. Uh, now that I listen to that soundbite, I realize it's there's not a whole lot there. It, it sounded a lot better to me ten minutes ago or twenty minutes ago.
2: Yeah, I don't. I didn't think there was anything particularly newsworthy in his press conference. Except, didn't he say something? He he did confirm that Ruffin McNeil was going to call the plays, right? I saw oh, I didn't that. I hear that. I, I missed
0: I, the. Uh, I missed the first couple minutes of it, unfortunately. Okay. So okay. Yeah,
2: I saw a quote on Twitter um, that that was kind of right when it when it started, right when the press conference started. It said that Ruffin McNeil would call the plays. I thought that was by far the most newsworthy portion of that because there were some reports coming out there. I think Dusty Dvorak had tweeted something out that he thought that uh, Diaco would be in the, in, in the box calling plays. And that kind of concerned me a little bit, actually, because Bob Diaco, the last few defenses he's coordinated, have not been good. Um, so I'm... I don't know, Leah. I'm sure we'll get
0: into how we feel about the replacements. I'm happy it's Ruffin McNeil. I didn't want it to be Bob Diaco. So I'm looking on Twitter, and I'll give a credit to Carson Cunningham, who works at Channel 5 here in Oklahoma City. He has a quote from Lincoln Rally saying that Ruffin McNeil is the defensive coordinator. He'll call the game, end quote. So there you go. So yes, Ruffin McNeil will call it. We have some numbers on Ruffin McNeil, which we can, we can go over a little bit later. I, I, I want to get through all of... Riley's sound though before we, we move on and I have one more piece of sound that I think is the, the most interesting piece of sound honestly that I heard from it because there has been those rumors there's been a little bit of rumors that this was a, this was a call from up above and I believe John Hoover who's an Oklahoma beat writer he always has some pretty good articles and some good, good columns in Oklahoma football he had a uh, an article saying that maybe some of the donors were threatening to maybe not get uh, Give give money in the future. From directly from his latest column, it says uh, the OU Texas loss became a tipping point for donors who were so aggravated by another stumble from Stoops' defense that some threatened to withhold future gifts if a change wasn't made. And that's uh, from John Hoover's sources. So a good article by him. So, anyways, point being, there's there's some sources saying that maybe this was actually above Lincoln Riley and maybe it wasn't necessarily his decision. Well. Uh, Kerry Murdoch from Sooner Scoop asked about that, asked Lincoln Riley if he had to meet with Joe Castiglione, President Jim Gallagher about this. How did it all go together or how did it all go down? And this is what Riley said. I
1: don't know how specific I want to get into that. I mean, it was my decision, my decision only. I mean, no, you know. To, you were pressured into making it. Oh, decisions. no. No, Oklahoma doesn't work like that. You know, other places do, and that's why they go up and down. But Oklahoma, the people that – that make the decisions or the people that should make the decisions. And that's why this place has been so good for so long. So absolutely not. Of course, of course, you have bosses. I have people that I answer to, and I make them aware of, of, you know, big changes or anything going on in the program that that we need to. And we have a great open communication system with our president and that office with with Joe, of course, and his group. But, no, this uh, this place wouldn't be like it is. You wouldn't see all them banners up over there if that's how this place was run.
0: So Grant Lincoln Riley says this was his decision, and his decision alone. I don't. I don't know, Lee. Do we want to read between
2: the lines there? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if we should. Uh, one, the whole. So the comment about that's not how things work here at Oklahoma. Uh, I think that can be interpreted in, in you know a, in, a, in two ways basically. One, it can be interpreted as a shot at Texas. I think um oh yeah and two I mean, that,
0: that's a good point yeah because there's been some turmoil there right
2: yeah and and two i think um man that might be a shot at the new president lee if the rumors are true saying stay back we're we're successful because this stuff doesn't happen here um that's i, that, that, I, I got I, that i i'm, I'm saying i'm saying there's two ways you can maybe interpret that and i think those are the two ways right there um so i don't know i'm I, i'm and we, we've we texted back and forth since last night too, I am disturbed by the reports that this maybe wasn't Riley's sole decision. I think that is that is something we should point to as as potentially a concern.
0: You're concerned by that, and I have made it clear to you, obviously off, off air, that I am not concerned by that because this is a scenario where ever since Gallagher has come in, in my opinion, it seems like he has made some some shrewd business decisions with Oklahoma and this is a scenario where I think Lincoln Riley it's very clear he's incredibly loyal to Mike Stoops Bob Stoops that entire family and maybe not just the family maybe just Oklahoma in general and I think it's it's difficult it's been difficult for him to make this move I mean anybody else you would think would have been let go earlier considering what had happened in 2016 And then some of the the disastrous moments in 2017, specifically, particularly the Rose Bowl game, which uh, was not great. And and then, of course, it it takes this Texas game for it to really come out. It just it seems like it it was taking it it was to the point where Lincoln Riley was never going to move on. And I suppose. We got to take him at his word. He said this is his decision, and that's it. Now, granted, like you mentioned, there are some sources saying that maybe there is some pressure from donors, and this came from above. We don't know that for sure. We have uh, we have sources saying one thing. We have Lincoln Riley saying the other thing. So I suppose at this point, you have to just d- determine what you believe is true based on what you know. And I don't know. Um, I guess if if it's a hypothetical, if it did some come from up top or there was some pressure, I. I think it it might be one of those things where it's it's you're almost saving Lincoln Riley from himself, because I think maybe he would have made the change. Maybe he would have made the change um, later on in the year or after the season was over with. But the fact that this team can can win it still and and make a run like Lincoln Riley said today. I'm not too concerned Uh, now, if something comes out, if something happens and really and Mike Stoops being gone, you can we can see that it really affects the team negatively and this was not a good move, and, and maybe we do find out that it wasn't necessarily Lincoln Riley's decision, then I think we can maybe go back and revisit it and think, oh, no, this is not a good sign if uh, Oklahoma is going to potentially move into Texas territory where boosters and people up top outside of football are making big decisions, which is never a good thing. I would agree with you on that.
2: Yeah, Lee, two things can be true at once. It can be the right thing to, to demand or or, or, you know, or fire Mike Stoops but it can also be true that it's a bad thing if if the thing that that um, that finally got that to happen was outside pressure. Listen, listen to what you're saying. If somebody else has to step in and save Lincoln Riley from himself, this program ain't ever winning a national championship. Under Lincoln Riley. I, I'm, that's what that's what I'm saying. If I, I'm just saying, there is no scenario where it is a good thing that outside forces potentially could have stepped in to do this because it just looks really bad on Lincoln Riley one if somebody had to step in to save him then he is never winning a national championship at Oklahoma because he doesn't have the chops to do it and two Whoa. and two if somebody came if somebody is in here trying to pull the strings of the of the program that are not being pulled by Lincoln Riley that is a problem because that is why Texas is not the premier program in college football right now because they have too many cooks in the kitchen and when stuff like that That starts to happen that kills programs ask people at nebraska what's going on right now ask people at miami what has gone on ask people at usc what goes on that's exactly what goes on and that is it's a really bad sign if that's starting to happen at oklahoma that's all i'm saying
0: well again we don't know if that's True. We just have, uh, I believe. I, have you seen anybody other than John Hoover report that story with the, with his sources?
2: I haven't, so I, I'm hoping that it's that it's wrong or there's just a ton of nuance to it.
0: Um, because hey, John Hoover's a credible reporter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, not saying he's. I know the guy, he's a, we're friendly, and he, so I mean, I, I have no reason to believe that these are not credible sources. I just want to put that out there, yeah, too.
2: I'm just saying, the best, the best college football programs are the ones in which the presidents say, yes, we will give you all of the resources that you need, and then they just get the hell out of the way. And so I, I, right. I, don't, I don't care how competent Jim Gallagher is, he is not a football coach, and he does not know football. I don't care how smart he is. He needs
0: to stay away from the football program unless it's with funding, period. What if he's like you and me? actually and and he actually knows quite a bit about football if he's but we just don't know that if he's that successful
2: of a person i can promise you that he is not like you and i (laughs) because he's that
0: successful he wouldn't waste his time on football exactly yes (laughs) interesting very interesting discussion let's see what else we have that's all the sound i have from lincoln riley but uh that that soundbite provided some some good back and forth let's see I, i have a couple other uh, do you want to get into Ruffin McNeil at all? Uh, I know you I'm 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 kind of with you. I I like the fact that Ruffin McNeil got the interim tag because I think what that means is that sure, okay, if Oklahoma's defense comes out for the next 6 games, hopefully more and looks measurably improved and looks like it's it's not just improved but very much improved and it's the same players and something just changed and it looks really good. You know, maybe maybe then Ruffin McNeil would then get promoted to full-time who knows but the fact that he is the interim DC and not Bob Diaco who's a little bit younger and has had that role as a DC before which I I guess Ruffin McNeil has as well I guess I just that relationship between McNeil and Riley it it makes me feel like if Riley feels like going a different way after the season's over with and hiring somebody else it makes me feel like that he wouldn't it wouldn't be that difficult to get with Ruffin McNeil and, and discuss it with him and say hey listen this is what we want to do and as as opposed to to Bob Diaco who you know perhaps Bob Diaco has thoughts of like yeah I'd, I'd love to be the next DC at Oklahoma I'd, I'd like that to be that my job you know I mean so I don't know I so I guess my point is I like that Ruffin McNeil will be the interim DC he's been in this spot before as Lincoln Riley mentioned he had success at Texas Tech for a couple of seasons and also uh, did not have some great success at East Carolina when he became the head coach granted that's East Carolina so it's you know, who knows, maybe they didn't have enough good players and things like that. His defenses there were, for the most part, average. They had one really good season, uh, but for the most part, average to maybe slightly below average defensively at, at East Carolina. Um anyways any any other thoughts on Ruffin and McNeil from your perspective
2: Yeah Lee I was I I was rooting for Ruffin and McNeil to get the interim tag for two reasons one he has explicit experience stepping in a situation exactly like this maybe not with a, a college football playoff contending team uh, but for a successful you know Texas Tech program at the time Lee um, you know back in 2007 after a game against Oklahoma State it was actually the famous Mike Gundy come after me I'm a man speech game. Um, Graham Harrell threw for 650 yards and seven touchdowns in that game and Texas Tech lost and Texas Tech fired the defensive coordinator and uh, Ruffin McNeil was named the uh, the interim defensive coordinator and he held that title until 2009 um, and he, he drastically improved their defense um, and I, I've been reading other stuff up on it and after he took over his room, he made a point to simplify everything, which is which I think there's ample evidence to suggest that's exactly what this defense needs now because they can't they're not getting lined up correctly and they're also confused very deep into the play clock, right when teams are about to take a snap. That needs to change, and that needs to be the first thing that changes. And I think Ruffin McNeil has a has an explicit track record of improving with stuff like that. Reason number two why I wanted Ruffin McNeil was because if they were to give the if they were to give it to Bob Diaco, that tells me that it is a complete audition for Bob Diaco. And um, that goes against what I want for this program, which is to go completely outside the program and bring in a totally new voice um, who has really no ties to Oklahoma's football program next season. That's what I want. And him choosing Ruffin McNeil shows me that's probably where they're leaning because Ruffin McNeil is not going to be on the staff next year. I I don't think he ever was going to, he's an older guy. Um, You know, I, I, I think Ruffin McNeil's time here is limited just because he's an older guy, and I think he was always going to be a stopgap. So it it's nice that Ruffin McNeil is getting this job because I think it's going to be easier
0: to move on from him, is what I'm saying. That's basically what I was trying to say, but you said it a lot more eloquently than I did. So good on you for that. So you mentioned, okay, you'd like Oklahoma to go outside, outside of the program, and for... For argument's sake, just for discussion's sake, let's say that Oklahoma, yeah, they look a little better, but it's it's pretty clear when this season's over with that Oklahoma wants to make another uh, change, and Ruffin McNeil is not the guy they want to keep, or maybe even Bob Diaco is not the guy, and they want to go outside the program. I haven't done enough research yet to really go into who I'd like to see come in. Have you done any research? Do you have any names that you'd like uh, to throw out there right now that of, of possible candidates for Oklahoma's co- defensive coordinator job in the future?
2: I haven't done any serious research, but just off the top of my head, um, I think it would be a dereliction of duty if they don't, you know, back the Brinks truck up for Alex Grinch at Ohio State. That's the guy they need to go after in the off season. Um, he has he has experience married, uh, marrying a defense with an air raid offense. Um, he was the defensive coordinator at Washington State last year, and Urban Meyer at Ohio State was so impressed that he poached him from Mike Leach's uh, from Mike Leach's staff and made him the co-defensive coordinator at at Ohio State. Now he's not calling the plays at Ohio State. Greg Schiano is still doing that, so he is not the full time guy. Um, Lee Oklahoma is not paying an offensive coordinator, and this is hats off to the Sooner Scoop guys who, in their postgame pod last night, um, talking about the firing of Mike Stoops, they brought this up. I thought it was a really good point they're not paying an offensive coordinator because that's what Lincoln Riley does. There is no excuse for Oklahoma not to offer Alex Grinch a million dollars and just be done with it. Pay him a million dollars a year, get him here and have Alex Grinch or have Alex Grinch run the defense. I think that is the first person they should go to.
0: You think he would be that much of a home run hire that even without any sort of I don't know has he proved it at all yet at a decent level? I know he, this is his first season as a co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and before that he was in the middle of nowhere in, at Washington State. I, granted, I know that defense was has been pretty good recently, which is so random under Mike Leach. But, man, that team had a propensity, it seems like, to get gashed and, and beat up in specific games. I mean, I know that's like that's just one or two games. But, I mean, is he a guy that really is, has been proven enough to, to spend that much money on
2: Well, I mean, Washington State went from a perpetually terrible defense for Mike Leach's entire tenure there, and then they were borderline fantastic last year in the one year that Alex Grinch was there. That's not really a coincidence. And, Lee, you always go for the people that that Nick Saban and Urban Meyer want on their staff. Always. That's a a pretty easy rule. Um, (laughs) Let's see here. I want to look up what uh, Washington State was last year. He was
0: only there for one year last season at washington so that was only he's only had one year of experience
2: yeah um, washington state finished 29th in defensive S P in 2016 or i'm sorry in 2017 alex grinch is one year there i think his one year there um,
0: wikipedia is telling me he was uh he's been there since 2015 okay well
2: 2015 there you go
0: so if you got three years of data that shows washington state's defense has been pretty darn good then i i might start to to back it a little bit plus i like the fact that he was a uh, i'm looking at his wikipedia page he played d-back in college I, I like those d-backs i it makes me think of wisconsin's defensive coordinator jim leonard who's uh one of the, the hot up-and-coming d coordinators well for I mean, safety in the nfl I, I like those d-back defensive coordinators
2: if we're at, if we're going to talk about you know, guys who are on the table. If we want to talk about other guys who are like defensive coordinators anywhere else, I'd rather have Jim Leonard over Alex Grinch. I don't know how much money he would cost, but do you, I mean, I actually no. there's no way. Jim Leonard, I think uh, is a Wisconsin alum. I don't think he would ever leave there. Um, The one guy that comes to mind who, who I would want and who I think, OU, if it's a possibility should pay any amount of money for is Dave Aranda. Um, He does, he he is, he's from
0: the leech tree. So that's not just coming out of left field. Um, he, I think Oranda's maybe the highest-paid defensive coordinator in college football. Exactly, like LSU gave him like all the money.
2: Yeah, I know. I just, I, I want Oklahoma to, I, I want Oklahoma to have the next highest-paid defensive coordinator in college football. Let's, let's say that. And, and, I don't, I don't. Is it that crazy to, to want that, especially no, not where at they
0: all. are right now? I mean, I, I, for two years I was in College Station covering Texas A and M, and they backed up the Brinks truck to bring in John Chavis. And John Chavis, up to that point, had a pretty darn good track record. And it just it didn't work out under with Kevin Sumlin there in, in College Station. And uh, I guess my point is that Texas A&M was not afraid to pay all that money for John Chavis. And that offense wasn't even near as good as this Oklahoma offense. And that Texas A&M defense under Chavis, it wasn't as good as the defenses he had at LSU. But it, it wasn't horrible. Some games, sure, it, it got shredded a bit. But for the most part, it it was okay. I mean, but it wasn't up to the John Chavis standard that he had set for himself over all those years at at first Tennessee and then LSU. But uh, again, my point is is that A and M had no problem spending all that money, and they didn't even have an offense that was near as good as his Oklahoma offense.
2: Yeah, and, and I suppose the one problem is, you know, I Dave Aranda probably is a pipe dream because honestly, he would be absolutely insane to take a job in the Big Twelve right now. There's just there's <laughs> there's no reason to do that. Lee, another another name that I have that I've seen people kind of floating around is Pete Golding, who is the linebacker coach at Alabama and the co-defensive coordinator. Um, he was he was the defensive coordinator last year at UTSA, uh, U, uh, you know Texas San Antonio, and they had mm-hmm. a, uh, I, I know they had a very good defense last year, and of course Nick Saban just poached him right away when that happened, which is what he does. So um, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I actually remember looking this guy up uh, after the Rose Bowl because uh, let's be. I'll be honest. I thought, okay, for sure they're gonna get rid of Mike Stoops after this game. Like, who's who can Oklahoma get now? It's the off season, so actually, I I did look into this guy. So I and I remember looking him up and then thinking, oh, who's this guy now? And I found out that he had just been hired at Alabama. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense.
2: So it's gonna be interesting for sure. I mean, guys, I would be looking for like I said, I I don't. I will be instantly uh, upset if they bring in somebody who is going to be running a a, a, a two-gap scheme on the defensive line. That's garbage. They should not run that. Um, I would need to look a little more into that, Lee. But I'm I, I really want them to bring in a guy who is who's base nickel, maybe a four-two-five uh, alignment.
0: And um, I, I just I, how's that working out in Stillwater with Jim Knowles? 4-2-5 o- base Oklahoma Oklahoma State
2: does not have any good players. I mean, come on, everybody. They don't, they don't have good players.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it looked really, it's, it's funny how, how similar Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are this year defensively. It, there was a lot, of, a lot of positives in the first two. Well, for Oklahoma State, the first three games after that Boise State game, oh, wow, it's, and then it's just been really bad <laughs> ever since then. And then for OU, there was the positive signs after the first two games and ever since then, since Iowa State. It's just been okay. Hey. Boise's offense nah. got
2: dominated by San Diego State on Saturday too. Yeah. So, so I yeah think so so Boise's offense clearly just can't handle pressure.
0: It's too bad. They have a super veteran quarterback too. And oh goodness, what's his name? Can't even think of his name anymore. Doesn't matter. Uh let's see. Anything else? Let's okay, we talked about the potential candidates. I'm glad you had some names. A couple of, of housekeeping things. I know there was there was a report that Curtis Bolton left the Cotton Bowl at halftime. He was so mad and uh, emotions and temper was flared. Lincoln Riley was asked about that today during his presser, and, and he said that the news about that was blown out of proportion. So Lincoln Riley said that that was uh, – yeah, it, apparently it wasn't as big of a story as – it seemed like and Riley said that hey it's OU Texas there's always emotional stuff at, at, at halftime of those games uh, you know the fact so.
2: that he acknowledged that it happened tells me it probably was blown out of proportion I thought that was that was a really good answer he gave and then he said hey man it's football that stuff happens at halftime of every game yeah. um, I thought that was a good answer I thought that was a convincing answer um, and the fact that he actually acknowledged something happened leads me to believe that it, it
0: probably was just an emotional outburst from from Bolton. Hmm. And the other thing, too, that my boss, Dean Blevins, has learned from his sources, he learned that after the game, Mike Stoops offered to resign, but Lincoln Riley did not accept it. And part of that was because it was a heat of the moment type thing. But then Mike Stoops was surprised the next day when he was fired, obviously because I'm sure he was surprised because he had been basically denied uh, his resignation. So I, that's all I know I don't know. I'll have to ask Dean if he has some more information on that, but that's a very strange story because I'm trying to figure out if it's, if you know what it probably is, it's probably Stoops offered that and Lincoln Riley. just, the game just happened and he felt like I can't make a big decision like this emotionally, you know, hours or minutes after a game ended. So of course he said, no, 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 that, not necessary and then as time went on you know sleep on it and blah blah you know maybe then that's whenever it was like okay i've thought more about it and this is what we're gonna do i just found found that to be a bizarre tidbit that dean learned uh what do you think about that kind of weird huh very weird it would make
2: sense you know if he just didn't want to make a decision in the heat of the moment like that but i mean the conspiracy theorists lee are gonna say oh he wasn't going to do it until the the powers that be made him do it, and I'm just bringing that up now. So that
0: that certainly that's that story certainly does make it seem more towards yeah. It, it gives the theory that this was coming from up top or the sources from Hoover's article a little bit more credibility if if that's true. And you know, but at the same time, I th- I think two things can be true at once. To to borrow what you said earlier, is that also I mean. Lincoln Riley could have been thinking okay there's no need to make an emotional decision this quickly after a game let's take a step back and then he did take a step back and realize okay yeah this is the right move I think that's I think you got to bring that up too
2: yeah probably uh it's uh it's it's something that I'm sure you know many years from now we'll probably get the full story on but until now we're not going to um you know unless the the season just absolutely crumbles and and we start to get defectors who who talk a lot but We'll see. I don't know. Their offense is so freaking good. I honestly, I can't really, <laughs> I, I, I can't see the season just crumbling because they're, I mean, they're, they can play like they did yesterday or on Saturday. To be honest with you, they, and they can still win the rest of their games just playing like that, and that's that's crazy to think, and also it makes me kind of mad to think actually.
0: Well, I'll get to this right now. This this move certainly makes me a lot more excited for the rest of the season, much more excited than I was after the OU Texas game because. At that point, I, I still tend to think that they're probably not going to make the college football playoff because their schedule this season just isn't as good as it was a season ago. And, of course, in 2017, the Sears had that trump card of that Ohio State win on the road in their back pocket, which they do not have now. Right now, you're, you're, your biggest game of the year, to this point, you've lost. And now you're basically hoping for a top 10 West Virginia team, maybe a TCU team that's somehow in the top 25 in two weeks. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um and then a rematch or you know, obviously a rematch with whoever it would be in the Big 12 title game against a ranked team and then hope that you're playing so well and that people lose in front of you that you get the benefit of the doubt and make it into the playoff with that one loss. That's the hope. But anyways, I'm, I'm much more excited, though, that that might be able to happen now because with the change, it is going to give the team a bit of a spark and some rejuvenation to like think, Okay. All right, now we do have something to play for. Maybe the defense is going to be much better now, and we do have a chance to, to, to impress a lot of people and play a lot better and win a lot of games convincingly. Whereas before, if Mike Stoops was still here and it was still the same thing, going to the bye week, going to TCU with the same, same thing, you know, what are these guys? Sure, they had an outside shot to make it, so with only one loss, but I just feel like the, with college football, they would not have been as geared up for the rest of the season if everything stayed the same, if that makes sense, I think this will actually, and same thing kind of like in baseball, wherever, you know, you fire a manager in the middle of the season and you just need a change. And then, then that seems just, you just need to change something. And in this scenario, you just need to change something. And I'm hoping that this will be for the positive. And if it's not for the positive, then that's fine. Then just reset in the off season. Yeah, we'll see for sure. I mean, I'm certainly more intrigued,
2: um, I, That's a good word for it. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think their college football playoff hopes are on are on life life preserves. They really don't have much of a chance to get there. Uh, a lot has to happen on top of them winning out. Obviously, yeah. You just. I mean, if we want to play a little game theory, you have to. The SEC champion is absolutely going to get in. The Big Ten champions absolutely going to get in. Um, I I gotta think that a one loss Clemson would probably get in ahead of a one loss Big Twelve champion Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma in that scenario probably would deserve to get in over Clemson, they probably wouldn't. Um, and then there's Notre Dame. I mean Notre Dame is is a is a heavy favorite, and the rest of their six games, I I don't think they're gonna lose. So I just I, I see really no. This college football is different this year. The the behemoths at the top are are unchallenged this year in ways that. You know, in in ways they haven't been in years past. There's just not really anybody who can consistently play with those teams at the top. Um, and, and also, you need a lot of you need a lot of you know a lot of weird stuff to happen. Uh, o, OU's only chance in scenario is, is to play and beat an 11 and one Texas team in the Big 12 championship game. I think that's their only chance. And West Virginia is going to have to be 10 and one with their only loss to Texas when they go to Morgantown. So that's their only chance, I think, to to get in. And also with you know. Also, Clemson and Notre Dame have to both lose. I think that's their only chance.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad that we can make these definitive statements. I mean, I guess definitive is not the right word because it is college football. I know it's a, it's a popular thing to say, hey, there's still a lot of season left to play. But I tend to agree with you that, yeah, this year it, it does seem like the top teams really are going to go unchallenged. Granted, it is college football, and these are these are college kids, and you never know something weird might happen. So I think you have to take that into account. But yeah, just the schedule does not favor Oklahoma this year, just strength of schedule, like it does, like it did last season. Um, but again, yeah, intri- intriguing for sure, and hopefully that this move will will reinvigorate the team and they'll believe that they can still make it. And I, I I've seen this theory going around, and I apologize to whoever came up with with this or whoever pointed this out first, but you know what if the defense does get much better and it's it's easy to see i mean the naked eye i mean it's like oh wow this this defense is much improved and oklahoma just kills everybody or you know wins all these games you know what if that narrative of well you got a one loss oklahoma that has a better defense now and you know maybe they do deserve to be in over somebody else you know much kind of like it which would kind of go in the opposite way it hurt Oklahoma in 2016 whenever they were basically being discounted for having a bad defense at the end of the season granted Oklahoma still did have two losses so that didn't help but uh, one of the arguments was that Oklahoma's defense is bad therefore we're going to disqualify them late in that year even though Oklahoma had won what nine games in a row I think it was so maybe a narrative change could actually play politics a bit and benefit Oklahoma
2: maybe but you still need Clemson and Notre Dame to lose so, yeah, you know, I don't yeah, I, I think I, I think any scenario of them getting into the playoff requires teams ahead of them losing. And I think they'd get in anyway, even with, you know, if a bunch of teams ahead of them lost and they won out, they'd get in anyway. I don't I don't see any scenario where they're going to be able to put because because I think if they're arguing in that scenario, it's going to be against, like, you know, like an 11 and one Notre Dame which I think they would win that argument anyway as a 12-1 and conference champion, or it's going to be against a Clemson team that, let's be honest, is going to get the benefit of the doubt because they're Clemson because that's what happened all of last season.
0: All right, look at Clemson's schedule. Let's do this real quick. They have a bye this week like Oklahoma does. Next game, October 20th, home against North Carolina State. Is NC State any good this year? Yeah, they're undefeated.
2: They're ra- that's the, that's, I think that's actually, like per S&P, that's the best team they're playing the rest of the season.
0: It's too bad we didn't get a chance to see NC State play West Virginia a couple of weeks ago. Uh, That could have been a good measuring stick to get an idea. So NC State, then they got to go at Florida State, which, I mean, somehow Florida State almost beat Miami and then just blew it at the end. Then they got Louisville, who is just terrible this year, at Boston College. Is Boston College a bit frisky?
2: Maybe a bit frisky, but they've fallen off the face of the earth after a after a hot start. Remember, they lost at uh, at Purdue, and then I think they lost again last week. So they're yeah. they're they're thoroughly meh.
0: And then finally, the last two games home against Duke, who very disappointed in Duke losing that game a couple of weeks ago to um, Virginia Tech, especially after w- watching the way Notre Dame just beat down V in Blacksburg, and then finally. Uh, Home against South Carolina is Clemson's final game. So it would seem like their toughest games are at home the rest of the way. The one thing, though, Grant, they do have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. They have a true freshman. So who knows if something weird happens with him and if they have to go back to that walk on quarterback again and they're not playing a, a team at home. You know they could, yeah. they could slip up.
2: I, I suppose I could also see a freak scenario in an ACC championship game where Trevor Lawrence. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, where Trevor Lawrence turns it over a lot against Miami. Like the turnover chain makes its triumphant comeback uh, with true freshman Trevor Lawrence. That's really the only scenario I can see them. I just I I don't. Their defense is still really good, and they they just don't play. Yeah. They just don't play anyone who can really move the ball on offense. I, I just I i think i think alabama is is a bigger risk to lose to say lsu than clemson
0: has to lose to anyone on their schedule yeah it's tough when you look at Clemson's schedule and their last game saturday against wake forest at wake forest a team that that actually has a offense with a pulse sometimes managed a field goal against clemson <laughs> so yeah it's it's tough i know we're okay so let's let's get back how about some facebook comments how about that? Sound good? Let's, let's go. Let's see what you all are saying on Facebook. We'll start with Benjamin. Benjamin commenting on Mike Stoops being fired. Benjamin says, I hate to see someone lose his job, but football is different from 2000, the year 2000 he's mentioning, and I think the sport was really getting away from Mike Stoops. He had plenty of grace and resources to get the defense where it needed to be. That being said, best of luck to him and his family, and thanks for the good he has done for the program in the past. Benjamin continues, I feel like they should have let Mike go after the Rose Bowl instead of waiting for the middle of the season to make that decision. I don't know if the timing of the firing was due to a contractual issue, the time of the season since we have a bye week or pressure from the fan base. But I feel like the decision was a little low. Maybe it was a mutual decision and Mike felt like he needed to leave for the good of the program. Possible. I'm also curious to see if Mike Stoops is the only one who will depart or if they will completely overhaul the defense at the end of the season. Time will tell, I suppose. Interested in your guys' thoughts, so a lot of great thoughts there by Benjamin. The I think the last point, the last question he has about, will it be more than Mike Stoops that goes? I man, that's a great question, and a question that I don't have the answer to right now. And I I don't, really, I'd like not to speculate. However, I will say that, yeah, Mike Stoops, he's the figurehead gone. But also, it it won't be a full culture change until everybody's gone, I guess. Put it that way. So, I suppose what I'm saying is that if they want a true culture change and get the defense to be different and hopefully better, then maybe everybody's got to go. What do you think, Grant?
2: Well, I think there's one person we don't really need to speculate about. Tim Kish will not be on this staff next year. I think that's a cinch. Uh, He came over with Mike, and I I can't envision him – being on this staff next year at all, period. Um, having that been said, Lee, I, I, I told you before going on. Um, I, I think they need to, they need to seriously consider replacing Kerry Cooks as well. Um, however, you don't do that in the middle of the season. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of how the secondary reacts the rest of the year. But if we see kind of the same stuff popping up with um, not getting your head around pass interference penalties, just not being in great position um the secondary still not lining up not not lining up correctly the secondary still really struggles to tackle um if if we see a lot of that same stuff over the second half of the year i am advocating absolutely that they should replace Kerry cooks as well
0: next comment from hunter if oklahoma decides to go after a new defensive coordinator at the end of the season i wonder who they go after perhaps john chavis from arkansas Maybe they won't need to if Ruffin McNeil proves to be pretty good. That's right. John Chavis is at Arkansas now, isn't he? And Arkansas is awful, aren't they this season? Yeah, I John Chavis kind I think of, the game might the game may have passed him by. Yeah,
2: John, I, I hate to say John Chavis sort of he either did just a really poor job at Texas A and M or he mailed it in. Uh, he's kind he's kind of on the uh, an older guy too. I don't you know maybe five years ago I would have been really excited about John Chavis, but not not anymore. His his recent track record just does not does not suggest
0: that he would have a lot of success, especially in the Big Twelve. Yeah, that, the bloom was off that rose. I was excited, and I'm I'm obviously not a fan of Texas A&M. But when a got him, I thought, man, that's that's a home run hire. John Chavis had uh, incredible success in the SEC at LSU, and A&M just got him. and And their previous defensive coordinator was was not very good The the defense was was very bad i mean it was it was uh i mean it was a and was basically going through the same kind of stuff oklahoma has gone through the last couple years i mean maybe not as bad to be quite honest with you but uh anyways uh, yeah i'd agree i don't know if definitely chavis is not a guy that i'd be excited for coming in here and and he's at if he if he's at arkansas now i guess i should probably double check it if he's at arkansas Um. yeah. Okay. So he's at Arkansas. Yeah. I just not they're they're one in five right now. Uh, they're giving up. They played pretty well against Texas A and M. Revenge game in a way for John Chavis, if you if you will. But I mean, this Arkansas team gave up thirty four to Auburn's offense, who is which is awful right now. Auburn can't move the football to save its life. Uh, gave up thirty four to Colorado State. Gave up forty four to North Texas and Mason Fine, who is a good player. And then, of course, sixty-five against Bama. So I, I just, yeah, he's not somebody that gets me too excited.
2: How about this, Lee? I'll, I'll float a name out there. D.J. Durkin's probably about to get fired at Maryland. He was, he was Harbaugh's defensive coordinator at Michigan.
0: Hmm. Well, we all know that what what Harbaugh does well is fuel really good defenses at Michigan. Not quite the same with offense, but
2: no, I think he he put up like back to back number one defenses in the country in total defense at Michigan though with Harbaugh that, that's um, what I'm saying yeah that's what I'm so saying. I, I I just I almost just threw that out there to be facetious I don't want I don't want his culture anywhere near Oklahoma's program that crap if you've read any into that at Maryland I don't want any of that garbage at Oklahoma that was more of a tongue-in-cheek but hey he's he's a really he's a really good defensive coordinator <laughs> yeah he's
0: really good at preventing teams from scoring points more comments from Facebook we have a comment from uh a Sam, and I believe this is a Sam that you and I are mutual friends with, Grant. He, uh, Sam says, it's always tough to see people lose their job, but this has been a long time coming. One thing I wanted to make a note of that, oh, he's talking about you and I, Grant. He said that you all discussed in one of your takes the other day was how bad the defense was compared to the elite level offense. How much of an impact do you think Oklahoma's prolific and extremely quick scoring offense has on the defense who has to spend a ton of time on the field? Do you have numbers on this? So this is actually a great question that we've probably gone over as, as supporters of Oklahoma football for years because of how good the offenses has been. And it's like, how does that impact the defense so much? I was looking back and I don't think Lincoln Riley as an offensive coordinator and now a head coach, but still an offensive coordinator has ever been on a team that actually has fielded a good defense grant. Looking at his East Carolina teams when he was there as the offensive coordinator, their defenses were never particularly that great. And now, of course, since I guess 2015, the defense at Oklahoma was was pretty good. So in 2015, it was good, but you know Baker Mayfield was in his first year, and Riley was in his first year, so they had to work some kinks out. Still made the playoff, obviously, but the last two seasons it's been been very bad. Uh, now now three seasons. Uh I know you have some thoughts on this. I think it, as it relates to Alabama, right, where this this theory that you know, really good offense makes it difficult on the defense. Maybe that's not necessarily true. What do you think?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, sure. I suppose if your offense is scoring every single play and the defense is is on the field at all times, I mean, you're going to have some negative. Yeah. But but at the same time, Lee, that's why we that's why we go by defensive efficiency and yards per play and not by raw yardage anymore because there's you know uh, because tempo and the amount of the amount of plays people are running that really skews those statistics. And so I've said it numerous times last year, Oklahoma had had the worst, probably the worst power five defense in the country last year, and they were one of the slowest teams in the country on offense. They did not move quickly on offense last year at all. Um, So I I think if if you're good, you're good on defense. I I don't I, I I think maybe once you get to the second half or late in the game, maybe that's when, you know, defending a lot of plays will start to catch up to you. But if you're Oklahoma and you have a good defense, by the time you get late in the game, it shouldn't matter anymore. If if you pair a decent defense with this offense, um, you sh- you'd, be, you'd be, I tend be to agree you'd be squarely into garbage time by that you know by that metric. So um, it's it's an interesting thing, and I think that was more of a conversation to be had in college football a decade ago. Like that was a legitimate conversation back in 2008 with OU's offense, which I told you yep. earlier in the show they finished 15th in S and P, but they gave up a ton of yards, a ton of yards. And that's what happens when you're up by 30 about, you know, a quarter into the game and teams are just chucking it around on you at all times. So I I think there's enough there's enough evidence to suggest that that's not really what's happening with these OU with these OU defenses. They're just they're lining up and they're they're getting they're getting their butt handed to them on, you know, on. on a play-by-play basis it's not just a. it's not just a oh man we just got three straight stops but we've been on the field for a ton of time and uh we just gave up like a 70 yard bomb here uh because we've been on the field so much they're just oh you're just getting beat up and down the field on defense it's not you know it's it's really not these one-off mm-hmm. scenarios where they're tired and giving up big plays they're just playing and play out they're just the other teams have just been better than them period
0: yeah, and I mean, this season for the first time ever, Nick Saban has a quarterback and the Alabama offense is averaging not quite as many yards per play as Oklahoma, which nobody is because Oklahoma's offense is incredible yet again. But Alabama's defense, I know it's it's not as good as it has been statistically in the past couple of years, but it's still been very, very good. I mean, they're still beating the crap out of people and making it difficult in other teams to score. So, uh, I mean, granted, Alabama, is, you, you could be... You could say Alabama don't count them because they're so much better than everybody else, which I guess would be a defendable position. But I, th- I think also what you can say is that that style of play with a really good offense it doesn't necessarily mean that your defense also has to be bad, just based off of that.
2: Yeah, Lee, Sydney's- I want to. I'm sorry, okay, I, I want to under. Ahead. I want to underscore one more time just how awful Oklahoma's defense this season has been mm-hmm. on, on a play by play metrically. Um, defensive efficiency, Lee, this is defensive success rate given up. They're 102nd in the country. That's just... Un- un- 102nd. They're 102nd in the country in preventing successful offensive plays on defense. That, I mean, that's... Gosh. that's And that's not even... Lee, that's, that's a raw statistic. That's not even adjusted. That, that's just... Out of 102 teams, they're... or Out of 130-some-odd teams, they're 102nd. They give up a successful play 44.6% of the time. That's really
0: bad. It's really bad. So other, Another statistic to drive home how horrible the defense has been this season and how little of a fight the defense has put up. The best, I couldn't believe it. I know it's, it's going around, but Oklahoma has allowed opponents to get into the red zone this season, Grant, 21 times. And opponents are 21 for 21 in putting up points in those scenarios. 18 times they've been touchdowns. Three times it's been a field goal. Oklahoma literally has not stopped a team from scoring when a team has reached the red zone against the Sooners. And as you might, as you might expect, that is dead last in college football. And honestly, surprisingly, I believe four or five other teams have also allowed – opponents to score every single time they've reached the red zone but Oklahoma has allowed uh, the most the most scores so there are four or five teams that have allowed every single uh, red zone trip to become points but of all the teams that have allowed that Oklahoma has allowed it the most times hopefully that made sense
2: yes it did and just to underscore that Lee I want to look at here's another metric inside the 10 yard line success rate on defense 118th in the country 68% 68% of the plays that opponents run inside the 10-yard line are successful.
0: <laughs> and I think there's only 115 teams now, right? So they're actually like out of the... <laughs> yeah, for no, sure. <laughs> no, 129 or 130 teams now? 125? I don't know. The last comment we have is from Sydney. Sydney says, first off, I will say this. Mike Stoops played a big role in the program, reaching the status of a perennial power, and I will be forever grateful. That being said, I'm glad that Coach Riley made the decision, and I'm glad he made it now. He seems confident in the staff he has on board to smooth this tran- to smooth this transition and get the defense playing at a higher level, as there is still a lot to play for, and anything can happen. Sydney then continues saying, "My question is, do you guys think that we will see personnel changes on the field?" Dean mentioned Levi Draper will probably have a fair chance now that something. Let me start over that sentence again. He said, Dean mentioned that Levi Draper will probably have a fair chance now, and that's something I never thought about. Do you think there are players that might be liberated from Mike Stoops' doghouse now that can make an immediate impact? I did see that tweet from Dean. That was kind of interesting to me that uh, that Dean, he must have heard something about Levi Draper. Maybe he knows something that that he's kind of been keeping under wraps. Uh, I've I, Yeah, I mean, Levi Draper has been invisible he's not playing so i mean it'd be somewhat interesting if all of a sudden grant levi draper started getting snaps on defense and i mean he looked from what i remember from the spring game he looked fine he looked like a a a college linebacker grant it's a spring game there's not much you can take from it so uh yeah with the lack of depth at linebacker the fact that we haven't seen him out on the field at all i i mean maybe there's some sort of weird thing there where maybe Mike Stoops didn't want to play him or maybe he just isn't very good I guess we'll have to wait and find out um, I don't know of any other players I mean you know, what if like we see some position changes what if you see guys play different positions or something that would be super interesting
2: that we just don't know that's what's going to be interesting and I, and I don't I have no idea what to expect going forward and you know I'm sure that's something we're gonna speculate about over the next you know 12 days or so until their next game. But yeah, I'm really interested to see that as well. I think we've we've highlighted a bunch of instances where there's guys playing out of position, um, in the secondary. I think in a perfect world, I think we would all just sort of kind of reshuffle the secondary and be happy with it. But you can't really do that effectively over the course of you know over the course of a season or in the middle of a season. I think you're playing with fire if you try to do that. But you know, I, I don't know. And there's there's some interesting things for sure. I want to you know if, if there's guys too who can get in at safety you got to think that they, they'll be trying anyone back there. Um, I saw, Lee, that uh, my boy DeLarian Turner Yell was dressed out for the first time on Saturday. I don't know if he's, yeah. if he's healthy or if, he is, if he's a guy who, who they can maybe put back there in, in, an in, in an interesting situation. I don't know. But, man, there's, I, um, I'm going to hammer this as, as long as it's the case. They're terrible at safety. Their safeties are awful. And and I it, it became cemented in my brain after I saw Texas's safeties, which are just so much better than OU's that
0: it's it's unforgivable, unforgivable. Oh, yeah. I don't have any strong thoughts on the safeties. I, I still tend to think that they're not being they're being told to be very passive.
2: And I, I think that too. So, that's why I'm that's why I'm yeah. really curious to see where they go forward. I just I, I want to see something different is all i'm saying i i I want them to show something that is legitimately different show that they put in you know they they put in a different wrinkle at least something to change their fortunes on defense um because what they've been doing obviously hasn't been working and and i just need to see anything any sort of sign of improvement and i'll probably be i'll probably be so excited i'll be proclaiming them you know 2019 national champions or already or something but i i just i i, I want to see some life on defense um and fortunately ruffin mcneil has has a track record of providing that um we'll just see whether or not the guys on the roster let's see if they um if they react to that i don't know it's going to be interesting for sure
0: all right i think we've covered uh this this news story from every angle and this is one of the the first podcast's in a while, really, where we haven't been constrained by time. So I'm glad that we could let this breathe a bit. I don't think I have any more to say about this topic. Uh, I'll, I'll open the floor to you if you have any final thoughts. If not, we will uh, back out of here and and uh, go into the, the bye week with a little bit of optimism, perhaps, for uh, the future of this Oklahoma team this year, uh, and specifically the, the Oklahoma defense this year.
2: All well, I just want to end by saying, I think um – I think Lincoln Riley, if it was his decision actually to make, I think he made the right decision. Um, I think you can argue with the timing of
0: this. Um, I think I, Sydney made a good point about that with the timing. Yeah,
2: I, I think you can argue either way. I think there's compelling arguments for for both, uh, you know, for both viewpoints here. Um, but the bottom line was they they need a they need a culture change of defense in this program. And that was never going to happen unless Mike Stoops was was fired or let go or, or what have you. And that needed to happen. So um, in that respect, I'm glad that they've they've finally ripped that Band-Aid off. They've made the right decision. I would caution fans going forward that stuff like this can cause a lot of um, instability in programs. And that Oklahoma, uh, it's, it's been a long time since the mid-90s, but they are not immune to this sort of stuff. Lincoln Riley is not a god, and none of this is guaranteed. So I would, um, I would caution thinking now that Mike Stoops is gone, everything will be better, and that you know they're going to continue to put up 50 points a game, and the defense isn't going to be a problem. I'd caution you to start thinking that. I, I would caution you to think in that in, in that way. Don't do it. Um, I Just be cautiously optimistic going forward, and let's see how the team reacts, you know, on the road at TCU in, in a couple weeks because you know that's. All of a sudden, that's just a monster of a
0: game staring, you know, staring us down the barrel for sure. And You know what? The last thing I want to say is I get the feeling that Mike Stoops is in, in a way in you know, the report about, you know, Dean saying that he offered to resign. I, I think either way, Mike, after that Texas game, that had to have been the last straw for him, too. And I think he just wanted to to kind of get this all over with just rip the band-aid off because you know he has been i mean he he hears it all he hears all the criticism and it's not just this year but for years and stuff like that's got a way on you and i just kind of hope that yeah he's obviously feeling probably down right now and a little embarrassed but you know what dude like don't i mean you're you're a football coach if you want to keep coaching again i'm sure somebody will give you a shot but you know what take this time now mike stoops and just relax like enjoy the football season hang out with bob go watch mark play or play go watch mark stoops coach. i mean just take it easy i in a way i i'm glad that mike stoops could this is over for him because he had to have been feeling this coming for i mean this entire season for the most part at least starting in week three and definitely for parts of 2017 if not 2016 too and it's finally over And sometimes in life, when crappy things happen, it's good to just have them be done. And this is finally done for Mike Stoops, which, in a way, for him, I bet is a bit of a relief.
2: Amen. You know what I mean? And, and you know, Lee, I wanted to add one thing, and this is not to pile on Mike Stoops, but it's just a point that I forgot to add, um, which is just another, you know... uh, Lee, Oklahoma got worse on defense every single week this season. I, I thought they took it... well from i, I suppose they, they took a step forward from army to baylor but that notwithstanding they got worse every week on defense and if that's not if that's not enough of a reason to to part ways with mike stoops i don't know it is. so I'm, I'm glad you know if, if there's one silver lining to come from that just awful terrible game at the cotton bowl on saturday uh that that's it uh, hopefully you know this is a sign of of Oklahoma regaining where they're supposed to be on defense as a football program uh, because it's a long time coming. It's been damn near a decade since we've seen them play
0: elite defense. I think it's a great way to end it. That's it. We'll be back next week with a look at TCU. Best of luck to you all during the Sooners bye week. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.